Welcome to episode 79 of the Roger Snipe Show. The Roger Snipes Show. Yo, what's going on, peeps? Thanks for once again tuning in to the Roger Snipes Show. Um, today is going to be a very interesting podcast. Very, very, very. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a massive learning curve for me on this one, I tell you. But before we get into that, I just want to give a, a, a quick mention um, about my book. My book is due to release on the uh, 11th of May, which is just under three weeks. And it is called Your Mind Builds Your Body. Uh, the book takes you through my journey of a young kid with a passion for fitness to later develop into bodybuilding, as most of you may know, and um, and yeah, naturally taking it to a, a new holistic approach. You know, it breaks down not only practices which I followed, um, it also takes you through the mindset of making it happen too, which a lot of people do struggle with. Like most people understand what to do, but it's application which is where they struggle. This book bridges the gap between those wanting to make it happen and to making results. So my goal is to be the most <laughs> complete human, you know, through mind, body and spirit. So I've spent years in pursuit of learning and also interviewing the world's best in what they do for my podcast. Uh, so this book will not disappoint. Now, if you want to show some support, uh, just visit Amazon and type in Your Mind Builds Your Body to pre-order. Um, yeah, you'll be, you'll be happy. <laughs> so today's podcast uh, opens the doors to another world which surrounds us. Some people call it energy. Religious people may call it God. Science may call it quantum. Whatever your thoughts, there is definitely things which are unbeknownst to us, which lives beyond what the human eye can see and beyond our human comprehension. Today, I have Shaman Durek uh, on the podcast, and we discuss shamanism. Uh, what it is and how we can live a shamanic life in this modern era. So from my understanding, uh, shamanic practices are not religious, but they are spiritual. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, it's uh, it taps into the forces of the earth and the universe. Uh, they have ancient indigenous teachings that are derived from simple truths of nature, which some of us even practice without knowing. And shamanism is not only concerned with health um, of the individual, but also with the health of the entire community. This includes all people, plants, animals and life itself. So, the person today, Shaman Durek, is a uh, sixth-generation shaman and the author of the best-seller, Spirit Hacking, which I uh, recently read. Incredible! Uh, shamanic 
keys to reclaim your personal power, transform yourself and light up the world. I love his energy. He tells it as it is. I personally think you're going to find this very educational. Let's bring on Shaman Durek. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I first came across your uh, profile. Actually, I, I learned about you from a podcast through uh, Luke's story. And um, I was thinking, who is this guy? He sounds pretty amazing. Like just the sheer confidence and not just the confidence, but you know, I, I don't know much about the whole spirit realm. And to me, this was just totally fascinating for me. Um, I've been looking more into it since that podcast. And then I got your book, um, Spirit Hacking. And um, it's just, it's been life-changing. So yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for opening my eyes. Um, wow, this, this, so I don't even know where to start, but um, how, how, first of all, how did you become a shaman? Could we just start with that? Yeah, so I became a shaman because I it runs in my lineage of my family and my dad's mom's mother and father and mom were both shamans. And so I was chosen when I was about five years old because I had certain gifts that um, was being shown in my behaviors. And it basically my grandmother, a great great grandmother always spoke out there being a child who's going to have all of the family um, gifts and traits and so forth. So when my father was actually training in shamanism with my great grandmother, she was telling him all of this. That he was going to be the one who had the child and so forth. So when I think about me. <laughs> wow. And I know that at some point it was, um, there was, there was a little conflict there. I know that, Sorry, can you hear me all right? I think maybe it's my connection. I can, yeah. Yeah, we're back. I know that there was um, a little conflict at the beginning where, was it your father or, or somebody was wanted you to not use your powers or something, isn't it? Yes. So my father walked away from shamanism um, and decided to go into the music industry. Um, and then he was the road manager for my cousin, Fats Domino for a while and then they were having a lot of difficulty on the road because you know in those days you couldn't put money in a bank so it was you know it was very challenging to always buy a new car and stack money in a car and and learn how to use a gun to protect the car every time you go into a new area of town you would get robbed by some of the country boys that were there so after a while my father went through so much stress because of that and then decided to follow my grandfather who decided to walk away from it as well and went into catholicism who, which is normal in, um, in African families who come to um, the States because 
when they do the one of the things that they do is they hide their their culture in uh, Catholicism, which is normal. And then um, and then my grandfather was he read a book on Seven Day Adventist, and he decided to wanted to move the family over to Seven Day Adventist. My father decided to go into the construction business and became a, uh, a, a general contractor and a foreman and then started working for this guy in, in Texas. And so basically he he started realizing that there was no place for this in our life anymore. And so when I started exuding these gifts, he was already created an idea of what he wants the family to be and what he wants me to be and what he wants my sister to be. And so and then all of a sudden, I'm like the curveball in the family that was being thrown by God at him. And he's having challenges because one part of him knows that it's real. And the other part of him is afraid of what's going to happen to me by society. So he felt like on some level he was protecting me. But also, I think it's also because of his own fears about what he believed the society would treat me with, that he didn't see that. Um, that protection became more of a suffocation and and made me feel uh, less acknowledged and more having to find myself and my and who I am and my strength and my power outside of his need to push me into what felt comfortable for him. And then my power is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And then him realizing that he can't put a container on it. So where he finally caved in and was like, okay, you can study religion. Um, if you study the Bible and you go to Bible school and you study and you do all these things, then you can study shamanism and learn that as well. And then you make a decision about what it is. But I think you should follow Jesus and, and not and push the and push these roots away because there's no place for them in the world anymore. Wow. Wow. That's that's really interesting. Um, wow. Mm. So, OK, man, there's so many other questions around that, but. I want to ask, so one of the things which I learned from your book is that we all have some sort of gift. We all have um, uh, special traits or like powers in which we can get from our higher self. Um, most people are not living to their true potential. This is what, from what I've learned from what you've said in your book. Um, and most people speak a lot of things um, of destruction to themselves as well in their own lives. Yeah. Um, would you be able to explain it in a, in a, in a spiritual sense, how this works? I, let me just go back first to give you some um, understanding of why we are the way we are on planet Earth. Yeah. So on this planet, when you come to Earth, you're not taught to be truthful. You're not taught to live in truth. You're not taught to follow your truth. You're taught to accept whatever lie they tell you to follow and they teach you how to go against yourself. So you, so as a child, you learn about betrayal of the self very early in your, in your, in your younger years. Because on this planet, as a child, you are not allowed to tell your parents that they need to go and do some stuff on themselves because their negativity and their poison is affecting you. You can't tell your teacher, why am I learning this? This makes no sense to me whatsoever. This doesn't connect with me. This is how I better, this is how I learn. This is how I best learn. Um, on this planet, you do what is being told of you. And if you don't, there's consequences. So, you so you're raised on this planet to operate as the same way we treat dogs 
and animals on this planet. We domesticate them. We use the fear and punishment and pain as a way to shape and mold that person's character to what we want them to be. By doing that, we are already creating a neurological imbalance. We're creating a physiological imbalance. We're creating um, an, an understanding of the epigenetics of our body is being affected because we're, we're basically changing ourselves to fit into the boxes, the ideas, and the systems that is being pushed upon us. And fear, the idea of death, the idea of um, being ostracized, the idea of being made fun of, the idea of not being seen or heard or being punished or going through pain is used as a tool or a mechanism to, to utilize that epigenetics on us to get us to change and shut down aspects of who we are. So sometimes people were meant to be more sensitive and they shut that down inside of themselves, which is why they have more inflammation or they end up getting autoimmune disease or they end up having all types of malfunctions within their biological system. So every human being is supposed to be as God created them to be. There is not supposed to be any changes in the, in the system as you are created. You are to be celebrated. This is the way it's supposed to be. But on this planet, we don't celebrate life. We change life to fit within our structure that we want to see. So people develop, all, people have all these natural gifts and abilities that are naturally born from, to them in this world, but then they shut them down as they begin to go through the industry of this system. The industry is the school system, your authority figure, the rules and regulations that are placed on you, the idea is that if you don't do this, then this thing's going to happen. And if you don't go to college and get a degree, then this is going to happen to you. So you start making decisions based on being liked and loved, seen and heard and appreciated and valued. And so on our planet, what is value? Success. What kind of success? Monetary success, public success, acknowledgement of reaching some type of um, uh, acclaim of some type of uh, uh, skill of some sort so you can get accolades. What else is valued on our planet? Uh, how many people you know? That's also valued on our planet. How many people know you means you must be very successful. Again, all of these ideas are all fundamental principles that affect the whole entire world. So most people don't even realize who they are. They're not operating from their true um, uh, uh, how do you say their true potential, they're operating by a falsified potential. And that's the reason why we have war. That's why we have suffering. That's why we have mental breakdown. That's why uh, we have people who are overweight and obese. That's why we have people who have no motivation or feel um, depressed, uh, because all of these things are actually going against who they are. So the way we look at it in shamanism is that the idea of the principle of living is to be able to seek liberation within yourself. You can't have liberation in a system that basically tells you that if you are to be who you really are, you're not going to be seen, loved, heard, valued, or appreciated. And remember, the word love basically antiquates in shamanism to acknowledging one's existence. So when people feel love, they're actually saying, I acknowledge your existence. So when someone feels ostracized or put aside, the reason why people commit suicide and go through these deep different things, because they don't feel like their existence matters. So when people see likes and loves on Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media they're on, they think, oh, I must be, I'm looking, I'm I'm, I must be an amazing person. They get dopamine releases that, you know, and, and they get this addiction to this dopamine release in them because they get excited because on our planet, 
our whole planet is based on entertainment. It's based on these dopamine releases. It's not based on true connection. So most people don't have an awareness on a science level of what's happening to their body, you know, on, on their physical body, their mental body, their emotional intelligence, the way they're operating, what, we, what I call dialing in your spiritual um, maturity. Most people on this planet live in adolescent behavior. They act like high school and junior high. They react like high school and junior high. Whenever a problem comes up, they respond like they were back in junior high and high school. They take things personally, they get hurt. They, 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 they start jumping to conclusions. They don't utilize their intelligence in the right way. So my role as a shaman is to help people to identify and understand themselves at the core level and be able to understand the, root, the roots that have built this, this, this person and be able to utilize the information and the human technology, which is your brain and your heart, because they both have neurites, which is ability to think consciously and to make the choices, um, to be able to function in coherence so that you're able to live your best life and you're not, you're not get affected by negative thoughts. You're not affected by, by uh, feelings of depression. You're not affected by any of these situations. And so to get you to that point is to return you back to that which is your natural accordance, which is what God intended you to be um, from the day you arrived on this planet. And that's what shamanism is about. It's about relationship to yourself, to your food, to your community, to your ancestors, to the spirits, to nature, to animals, to your environment, and to everything that's going on. And if you're putting something in your body, what is your relationship to your body that you would put poison in your body? What is your relationship to a conversation you're having with someone when you're speaking down about yourself? I'm not this and I'm not that. This is, this is destructive. And so in shamanism, it's about having a relationship that is in, held in truth, but also held in the highest level of autonomy and love and collective resurgence. That means everybody benefits by being in relationship with you as you benefit by being in relationship with them. And then you're amplifying love on the planet. Wow. <laughs> that, that sounds great. That sounds great. And it seems like somehow it's been lost in translation um, from the very beginning, from the moment we are born. <laughs> Um, we're just born into this uh, system, uh, the matrix, as you call it. That's and right. you, you also mentioned um, there's different forms of the matrix. And I know you, you just quickly mentioned that a bit earlier about, uh, uh, I think maybe, did you say Christianity? I know you mentioned uh, Jesus, but Christianity, even religions as a whole, is a form of the matrix. Um, would you be able to explain when you say the matrix so that people would understand? Yes, so the matrix is an industry that is based on making sure that you don't recognize that you have this immense power and capability. So think of it in this way. The matrix whole idea is to design a system that makes you incompetent and weak and codependent so that you operate in whatever system they tell you to operate in without question, without uh, you know, doing your own due diligence, without looking outside of the veil that they have wrapped in, 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 and beautifully orchestrated around you, which we call the human comforts, okay? So an example, let's use religion for an example. 
The matrix has you believe that God thinks like a human being and operates in the same emotional intelligence as a human being through anger, through fear, through jealousy, all of which are emotional energies that are called disruptive energies based on fear. So that means that what they're basically telling you is that God is omnipresent and omnipotent. However, also a micro from its own macro, which also, if we look at it quantum physics um, perspective, it's not possible because you can't be omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient and then think so small and in such a restrictive way, the universe would collapse. So it's not possible. That means that in order for God to exist, God must stay in one form of energy and operate in the understanding that everyone has the choice to choose whatever energy they choose in order for omni omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscience to exist. So that means what? That means that love can never be, God can never leave the nucleus of love. So love is constantly the act of creation, the existence. The idea of the matrix is to make you believe that if you don't do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, that you're going to end up in hell. Life isn't going to be good for you. Things are going to be hard and difficult and this and that. So people live in one fear of God. Now, basic psychology teaches you that you have a super subconscious mind, a subconscious mind, an unconscious mind, a conscious mind, and you're operating on relative information that is being given to you based on your own identity. So if you believe that your creator would be done with you and, be, and, and throw you to hell or, or judge you, and you're to be afraid of your own creator, then your brain and the way your brain operates because it operates in duality. That's why I always say, never listen to your brain, always listen to your heart because your brain is, a, is literally um, a dualistic organ and it operates in polarity. So whenever people don't understand that, they don't understand that your brain is a polarity organ, your heart is a quantum organ. So if your brain is operating in polarity, what it means is that if it believes that you have a fear of your creator, then you're definitely in fear of yourself. So just the idea of you being in fear of yourself creates a myriad of problems because in that moment you lose trust, you will sabotage yourself, you will fall out of integrity with yourself, you will betray yourself, you will, you will fight against yourself, you will argue against yourself, you will say things against yourself, you will do things contrary to yourself, you will do anything you can to self-destruct yourself because you are afraid of yourself. So you will not have a relationship, which we call in shamanism, the relationship with self, which is the key element to truly loving God. Because you can't love God if you don't love what God created. And you can't love God if you're afraid of God, then you're going to be afraid of what God created, which is you and everyone else. So you're going to live in perpetual division. And that's a trick of the matrix. Because if the matrix can get you to be afraid of yourself, then you will always be your own self-sabotager. You'll always be your own enemy. You will always be the one who puts the roadblocks in front of you. You will always be the one who creates every single thing that is out of alignment, imbalanced, or distorted in some way. You will be the orchestrator of all of those intentions. And you will be the one who has to look at all those intentions. And because you don't have emotional intelligence, because you don't have the understanding and the faculties to recognize quantum physics and the understanding of dimensional reality, you, as long as they can keep you in a linear perspective, which is the matrix's wonderful gift of making sure we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries so we have benchmarks 
You know, they tell us this is the age you are. This is the age you are. Can we keep following benchmarks? Okay, it's Valentine's Day. It's this anniversary. So you follow this linear motion, you will then not be able to see the quantum. And if you can't see the quantum, you can't see the quantumness of your existence. So you will think that you are just here for this time. You are going to live in fear of yourself while doing everything you can to be do the right things according to the system, according to God. Now we're going to also mess with you even more. The Matrix is going to create a Santa Claus character that rewards you and punishes you for your good and your bad behavior. And not only are we gonna do that, we're also gonna create a system that punishes people and doesn't spend time rehabilitating them. So we'll create prisons, jails, death penalties, anything that represents an, an acknowledgement of, of death, fear, alienation, separation, ostracizing, exile, and the idea of of, of inhumane association, meaning people who do not fit within society or community. Again, we're not gonna create rehabilitation programs because most of the people who are in those situations have been severely mentally um, uh, afflicted by the way the world is, period. So we're not going to, we're going to set up hospitals for crazy people who don't fall, fit within the mental guidelines. And we're going to say they're bipolar, they have ADHD, they have this, they have that. We're just going to name and shame and blame them for everything and then give them a bunch of drugs and tell them to take it. And then we're going to just push them away somewhere and get them out of the face of society so we can keep running this system. So the matrix is operating on different levels, but it's still a collective industry. And the idea of the matrix is to make sure that you operate in codependency in your relationships, in your friendships, in your work situation, in every aspect of life. Because if you are a codependent person, then it's easy to sell something to you to make you feel like you're gonna have a sense of power and then take it away and then sell it to you again. So we'll give you money. You can work, here's your money, okay? Now we're gonna tell you, you need to have this, you need to have this, you need to have this. So give us the money that we gave you. Okay. Okay. Give it back to us. Okay. Great. Thank you. Here you go with all your things. Oh, wait a second, but you're still not good enough. So now we're going to tell you something else is wrong with you. Okay. So now we're going to create all these other things. We're going to use media as a way to program you. And we're going to use music as a way to set mantras into your mind. And then we're going to use television to create a visual program, which now we've got you. Now what we have to do is just upset you once in a while. So let's see, what do we, people are getting too comfortable, let's do coronavirus. Oh, people are getting to this, let's create a war. Oh, too much of this, let's do this, let's do that. And we're playing puzzle pieces with humanity to keep human beings in such what I call post-traumatic stress disorder, not just for the emotions in the mind, but for the spirit. So that you become so normalized by violence, by war, by lack, scarcity, fear, limitation, and all of these things that it becomes like a normal part of your everyday. You see it on TV, you'll watch movies where people blow each other up, but don't show your private parts. Don't talk about sex. Don't, don't talk nasty talk. No, no, no. Don't do that because that's vulgar and don't do those things. But it's okay. You can watch someone's head get chopped off on television and punch people eating people because that's not vulgar at all. Matter of fact, that's what we want you to normalize you in so that if we decide to go to plan B and we decide to put something in the water or do something, you're not going to be like 
thrown off guard by what's happening. You're just going to keep staying in this survival mode instead of thriving mode where you actually connect into greater intelligence. And this is why shamans have been killed. This is why people in the mystical arts, shamans, druids, witches, seers, anyone who, who is outside of that system, who is wanting to remind people of their power, Socrates, Copernicus, just look through history. Anytime someone was willing to tell the truth, they were assassinated, killed, and destroyed or made a, made a joke of in society by them using media against them. So where they would kill themselves. And this is the way the matrix operates. But now we have an advantage. And the advantage is we have the ability, if we utilize our intelligence in the right way, we can collectively share information with each other, use, utilizing their devices, but in a way that doesn't get too much attention, where we can then begin to activate an awareness within society by sliding it in to a wellness health, um, spiritual lifestyle, while the whole time we're actually really restructuring our greater intelligence and what I call our brain space technology to function in a functional way, not in a dysfunctional way. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I'm learning these sorts of things, I'm, you know, I think it said like, you know, when you're learning something, teach it immediately, it kind of helps you to learn quicker. And I just find the whole thing uh, fascinating. But as you were saying, what you're saying there describes the world as it is. We are living in the matrix. Like That's we are right. here now. So, you know, for, for your average person who, it's been drummed in their brain to not know who they are to not understand the power that they have. And um, yeah, it's just completely brainwashed. Where can a person start to, yeah, just where can a person start? I was gonna say to be woke, but where can a person start to um, move towards the light, towards their own righteousness? Can't think of the words exactly, but what would be the beginning steps for them, for them to move in the right, you know, out of the matrix? So the key is, is not for us to move out of the matrix. The key for us is to, is to basically go into the matrix with our intelligence. A lot of times what, what we have to understand is that we are here to infiltrate the matrix. Like I'm infiltrating the matrix every day. The, part, the purpose of infiltrating the matrix is to get the sleepers, the forgotten ones, the ones that they don't want you to remember and get them to wake up within the matrix so that we as a collective group of people can begin to make shifts in whatever field we're in. If, it's, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, if you're a skateboarder, if you are um, a you know, body model, if you're a fashion model, if you're, if you're an artist, if you're a person who helps people get their bodies in shape, if you're a health and wellness advocate, if you work in whatever it is, you're here to learn how to bring back your intelligence of what's really going on so that you can start utilizing that intelligence through what you do. So the first key is to look at where in your life do you see restraint? Uh, where do you see uh, yourself in limbo? Where do you see yourself in negative situations? 
all of these things is because you've been programmed with the, by the matrix to be in what we call a cycle. A cycle means that you've been programmed to continue to react to your circumstances because the matrix doesn't want you to know that everything you see right now has come from the past. And everything that will come tomorrow and the week after and the month after comes from what you do right now. So if you're reacting to the bills, reacting to what's happening right now, you're basically looping around your next day, your next week, your next month, your next year to be the same as you see it right now. This is what we call as the looping. And a lot of cultures will call it the wheel of suffering and other people have different names for it. This looping effect creates a, a dissonance with yourself because what it does is it makes you repeat the same painful things over and over and over to your last dying breath because you can't see that you are living in a quantum universe with a program system telling you that you're operating in a linear form. The linear does not exist. You live in a quantum. That means everything I just said became the past. And everything I'm thinking right now becomes the past and the past becomes my next future. So if I want to create, uh, it's like, Do it's like the, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King said, and it's, it said something really powerful. He said, I have a dream. He didn't say, let's change what's happening right now. No. He said, I have a dream. And why did he say, I have a dream? Because the dream world and we say in shamanism, gives us insight outside of the matrix. It's the ability to dream greater than what you see. And most people, what they want to do is they want to crush your dreams. They want to make it so you don't dream, so you can't see possibility. So like, for instance, let's say, for instance, you have someone that is, um, is overweight, okay? And they want to lose weight and they want to get their body in shape and they want to do all these things. I'll use a perfect example. When they look in the mirror... They're looking at that weight. They're looking at the fat. They're looking at this. And the first thing that comes to mind is because they don't understand that they're living in a matrix, they do exactly what the matrix wants them to do. They want them to judge it. They want them to react to it. They want to accept what they see and then make a decision about what they see. So that way, when you make a decision about what you see in the mirror, in that moment, you're now creating it to be your tomorrow your next day, your next month, and your next year. So the, what happens is your brain then kicks in, well, this is gonna be a long journey, or this is gonna be really hard for me, or this is gonna be this, because you're already creating your, the loop. Mm -hmm. But if you look in the mirror and you go, okay, this is how I've been treating myself in the past. This is a good looking window for me to see what thoughts I've had, how I've been eating, how much exercise I've been giving, getting. And this is what the past I've been treating myself. Now I'm going to dream greater than what I see. Now you have a different thing happening. Now you're in sync with the quantum energy. And in that moment, you are defying the matrix. Mm, yeah, yeah. Makes, makes total sense. Like As you're saying that, it did make me think that's probably not going to be too easy for a lot of people. So it's going to take a lot of practice. So does it come through words itself or does it come through how, how they're feeling and what they're thinking about? Like, yeah. That, do, do they make it real through the words or is it like how they're feeling inside? Like what, what kind of generates their future? 
that makes the sense. The feeling is generated by thought. The thinking is generated by knowledge. So, uh, so again, if you think about it, right? Like I can say to you right now, um, here's what I want you to say. Say, I say right now. Right now. You are increasing courage in your body. Do I say I am increasing courage? No, because if you say I okay. am, if you say I am, you're not speaking to yourself. You're proclamating an energy. Remember, when you were growing up as a kid, your parents didn't say, I am this to you. They said, you are this, you are this, you are smart, you are dumb, you're slow, you're not going to pass that test, you're not this, you're not that. So the program code to accessing the dimensional energies within your body structure, which is what we call the nucleal cell, the cell nucleus that actually responds to what is happening energetically to you, that actually is what creates all of the symbioses or the different patterns of chemical releases and different things happening to you is when you are communicating to that nucleus. That nucleus can only be communicated to when you say you this, you that. Right, right. Amazing. All right. I'm going to work on that for myself. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. Um, so we have these spirit guides that you speak of. Yes. Um, that's cool. <laughs> I've been trying to find the right way and how to speak, speak to them. But, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's such a... Go ahead. All right. I'll show you the technique. Put your finger on your hand, your, on your right temple. Okay. When you ask a question, look to your finger for the answer, like in your thoughts, okay? So you're gonna say, look at you. So you're gonna say, spirit guides, are you here? Right. What, do I look over here as I'm saying it? No, you, you only look to get the answer. For the answer, all right. Spirit guides, are you here? Look to your finger. See how you're still looking straight ahead? Yeah. No, we want you to access the part where they communicate to you from. So again, spirit guides, are you here? And then go to the, look at your finger to get the answer. So when I say the question, I don't look and then I look afterwards or I look as I'm asking the spirit question. Guides, watch me. Spirit guides, are you here? Okay. Um, is it easy to speak to you? you so that's what you do. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think in my head, I'm already playing around saying like, are you serious? Uh, spirit guides, are you here? What did you hear? Well, I, I don't Just know if I told what you heard. I don't need the an I don't need you to analyze it. All right. Yes. Right. I heard yes. And so you see the analyzing part you were about to do. Yeah. That's the matrix. It doesn't Ooh. want you to make that connection. Okay. Now say, can I t put your finger back? Are you excited that I'm opening myself up to hear you? Are you excited that I am opening up myself up to hear you? What just happened? Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah. So Say thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. Why do me? Why are people making it so difficult to connect with you? Why are people making it so difficult to connect with you? What did they say? 
I don't know, uh, because they don't understand. That's right. You heard what they said. Say thank you. I heard you. Make sure you say thank you. I heard you. So it, what it does is it programs your precognitive lobe to be able to uh, realize that you're having a conversation, so it doesn't let the matrix come in and try to pull you away from it. Now watch this. Put your hand on your other side. Say the voice that said, what, what did the voice say to you? Something like you're crazy. Is it, are you, is this for real or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Say the voice that said, is this for real? The voice that said, is this for real? Are you a program from the matrix? Are you a program from the matrix? Now look at your left finger. Look at it. Oh, no, see how you're same way you did, but you're gonna look this way now. Ask the question again. Just trying to remember what the question was. Um, the one, the voice that said, "Are you serious?" <laughs> the voice that said, "Are you serious?" Are you a program from the Matrix? Are you a program from the Matrix? What did it say to you? I, I don't know. It was, yes, I am. And then, I don't know. I felt like I heard something else, but I think I was overriding it with no, other thoughts. Been fine. You're just listening. And then you stop the sentence. That's what people do. They listen. Then they're like, oh my God, is this, am I making this up or is this really happening? And then they stop the sentence. Now watch this. Say, um, the voice that spoke to me, are you serious? The voice that spoke to me, are you serious? You're not me, are you? You're not me, are you? What did it say? Uh, yes, you are correct. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. Would you like my help to return to the source? Would you like my help to return to the source? Yes, please, if you can. Great. Go back to, put your hand back. I'm taking you into the light. I'm taking you into the light. To a place of unconditional love. To a place of unconditional love. And returning you back to your original form. And returning you back to your original form. How do you feel now that you're in the light? How do you feel now that you are in the light? Ecstatic. Say thank you, I heard you. Thank you, I heard you. 
When you were serving the matrix. When you were serving the matrix. And being enslaved. And being enslaved. You remember what you told me? You remember what you told me? Now that you're in the light, what do you say now? Now you're in the light, what do you say now? And what did it say to you? Um, I don't know. Say, um, what is your, what did it say? I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> you heard what it said. I'm sorry. I'm happy right. now. Exactly. You did hear what it said. And do you see how you try to make it like you didn't hear what it said? <laughs> Yeah. How, it's as simple as that for people to practice. Okay, um, in fact, there's something I wanna, I wanna come to at the end, just so people can learn more about this from, you know, the things that you teach and where people can, you know, find your work and that sort of thing. Cause you know, that, that is truly amazing stuff. Do you also do past life regression at all? Or is that something completely We different? don't believe in past life regressions in shamanism. Oh, okay. Right, okay. We believe that the universe is quantum. So it's not that you're really looking at past life. You're looking at one of the many lifetimes that are coexisting right now. Okay. So like, I'll give you an example. Let's say, for instance, a lot of times people on earth, they have this whole new age way of looking at past lives. They say, Okay, I, in my last life, I was this and this and this. And they think they were this one being in this one body. But, you know, I can do a past life course and I ask someone, okay, this person goes, I was Cleopatra. And three other women are like, but I was Cleopatra too. Well, I could be like Slim Shady and say, well, will the re real Cleopatra please stand up? Please stand up. Because the truth of the matter is they all were Cleopatra because the spirit isn't housed in one body. You can have 1 million spirits in one body experiencing you. So a lot of times when people think of past lives, they think it's the past. There is no past. That's just what the matrix tells you there is. It's quantum. So that means that when you die and you want to come back, some people are like, oh, I come back. I have to come back in the future of this experience on earth. No, you can come back in the 50s, the 20s, the 70s, because every single possible thought that person could have ever made is another universe where they exist and it exists and they can live in that embodiment. Wow, man. <laughs> okay, okay. So, right. There's so many different ways that people see stuff. It's, 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 it's interesting, interesting. Well, a lot of um, people see things with not science understanding behind it. They look at things from a very woo-woo, you know, this very spiritual new age way, a past life this and past life that.
But in shamanism, where shamans are very much scientific, we're very much understanding of how the universe and the dynamic structures operate with each other. So we can understand how to communicate to a doctor, to a, a neuroscientist, to anybody, because we are able to communicate in their language because we understand how everything is operating. When we, when we understand quantum physics, when we understand dimensional field thinking, when we understand um, you know, parallel dimensions, you remove, you're removed out of linear and you step into an understanding of the infinite, the infinite potential of all things. This is basic understanding of, of when we talk about science and we talk about like, for instance, the atoms, then you go even more, you have the quirks and nodes that are blinking in and out of existence and showing up in different areas of the body because they're operating quantumly. So are, you to, are we to say that those lights that are blinking in out of existence are not blinking in other people's bodies that are all being shared? It's all shared energy. So literally when we understand that everything that we do in relationships, every relationship we create in our life is basically there to reflect to us our own relationship with ourselves. So when a woman says to me, oh, my husband cheated on me, I go, no, darling, you've been cheating on yourself way before your husband did. Your husband's just showing you what it feels like, that place that you don't wanna look at inside of yourself and how you've been treating yourself. If someone says, no one, no one understands me, it means you don't understand you. No one, uh, people don't listen to me. That means you don't listen to you. So in, in shamanism, we understand that the one is also the many and the many is also the one. So when you understand that, you understand the, individ the, the individual creation, which is you, beautiful, majestic creation, beautiful. Greatest way to love creation is to love what creation created. This is the shamanic principle. The understanding of that creation of you, the more of you is being acknowledged, the more of others are being supported because the more we pour into, more you pour into yourself, the more you're willing to go in, the more you're willing to give from without. So people, you can always tell a spiritual person because spirituality doesn't mean doing uh, downward dogs and drinking green smoothies and going to India and drinking ganji water and puking or going doing ayahuasca or ibogaine. It doesn't, this doesn't mean you're spiritual. Spirituality means one thing, that you are willing to do what it takes to evolve. That's it. Wrap it around all that, the, the nonsense that people put in, into their lives. You can be a person who did, I know yoga, yogis, uh, people I know in London when I was living in England, people I know in Amsterdam, people who are yogis in the States, and I've seen them be the worst type of people, you know, because they are, you can, you can teach the class and you can talk about the philosophies, but the thing is, are you a kind, generous, loving, open uh, person? Do you put labels and definitions on people or do you allow people to be seen through the heart of love? Again, these are very important questions. And this doesn't, just because you went to India and you took a, and you studied um, being a yoga teacher does not make you spiritual. What makes you spiritual is how you adapt in your evolution, how you are able to have emotional intelligence, how you are able to use your brain space technology in a way that, that shifts and lifts every single person you connect with, including yourself. There is um, this great, a uh, reservoir that never runs out within every human being, this beautiful overflowing um, well spring that is in every human being, but it can only be tapped and touched when a human being is willing to go inside 
and realize that every difficulty, every trigger that is affecting them from another person is because they have wounded places inside themselves where they have not poured love into. When they pour love into, the triggers become less, your relationships become greater, your, your connections with people become greater, and your service to humanity, not work, people say, I have to go to work. I don't work. I love becomes something that is quite profound. And as Dr. Martin Luther King said, I may not get to the promised land. And that statement, I may not get to the promised land is him realizing that it's not about the finish line. It's about the journey. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It is. How would you install this sort of information in children? I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got a young one myself, and even times I think to myself, I might say something and I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. And one thing, I have this, this thing, which you could say is a fear, is saying the wrong thing. And I think, you know, I try to think, all right, before I speak, let me think about what I'm saying you know, because I don't want to condition her the wrong type of way. Um, what would you say is the, is the, is the best way to uh, help develop, uh, kids develop and think the right way um, and not damage them with stupid words? So I work with a lot of children and I do this thing in Israel called love uh, parents and kids where I have the kids tell their parents what they really think versus what the parents think. And in England, I have a lot of children that I work with that I've started. Like I have one kid who just wrote me the other day. He started working with me when he was about uh, 12, 11 years old, 11 and a half going on 12. Now he's a teenager and it's like he's so powerful in the way he thinks, the way he executes life because he had all of this understanding. And I also work with parents, helping them to formulate an understanding of parenting that supports the new paradigm. First thing we have to understand is that we've been taught and trained to indoctrinate our children with our own belief systems and our own ideas of the world. This is the first mistake you can ever make because your children probably know a lot more than you do. And the key element to actually really being there for a child is to go into their world, not always have them come into yours. So find it when they're doing something that's there, that makes them happy. It could be art, it could be playing video games, it could be anything. And then ask them to join in their world and start talking to them, not from a place of a parent, but from a friend asking them what their views of the world are and asking them how they came up with these ideas. And then when you see something that is not in harmony to love, to empowerment, you add information in and then you let them make the decision based on that. But if you come in and start spewing all of your opinions, if your opinions are not supporting their, um, the highest level of growth for everyone on the planet and it's just your own personal opinion because of your own experiences that you've had individually with something that was painful or hurtful or whatever, that's not the place where you want to share your knowledge and information. You want to share your triumphs. You want to share how you got to a greater place in yourself. You want to share your vulnerabilities to becoming stronger because kids need to see that you're a human being that goes through things and that can overcome them. If you're always talking about the painful things that happen without showing them more triumphs than pain, then they grow up to become hurt collectors and they begin to live life collecting those pains that you went through so they can understand the rest of the story. Remember, in shamanism, everything is about storytelling. The, the greatest uh, tribes are the ones who have the greatest chiefs and shamans and medicine women who sit before the tribe and tell them stories of triumph, 
stories of victory, stories of healing, so that the tribe learns from those stories and cultivates a new mindset that allows them to believe that if this can happen, then this can happen for us as well. So the first key is always to lead with love and lead with positivity. That means what? That means that when you speak, always speak with the elevator going up, not down. So let me give you an example. If I said, things were really hard for me today, the elevator's going down. But then I don't put a period after a negative. Never put a period after a negative word. So then I'd say, however, new energies are coming in. I'm feeling a shift happening inside of me right now and things are looking better. Now the elevator is going up. So when you teach your children to learn how to say words, learn to, to use their lexicon in a way that promotes the elevator going up, your children's intelligent level, IQ level, um, stress management level, the ability to have emotional intelligence, their ability to utilize their thinking process for solving, solving problems and understanding uh, situations will become so much more accurate and profound because you're teaching them how to write new narrative, which means you're teaching them how to create narratives for their own life. Amazing. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. But yeah, it, it, it starts from the parent. The parent really, sometimes I, I listen to some kids and I'm like, oh gosh, who is the parent? You know, I might, you know, be at uh, my daughter's school and I see a behavior of a child and I'm like, yeah, it really does start with the parent. And I don't want to be that parent who just says some dumb shit. Excuse my language, but you know. I, I want to make sure my book, you know, that I curse quite a bit. <laughs> it's fantastic. I have quite a sailor mouth, about a big sailor mouth. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like, yeah, very expressive. It's, it's amazing. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Cause that's, that's, that's a big thing for me. Um, uh, probably before anything else, making sure that, you know, I'm doing my duty as a parent. Um, so, I've also heard you in Clubhouse um, and, and on your podcast. And I remember you having some sort of like um, past life in Egypt. You've you mentioned about that. Um, how, 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 did you, how did you know this? How did you, yeah, how did you come to know this? Like, I'd like to know, uh, you know, just thinking in my head, all right, what was my past life? But that's just not going to happen. So I knew because of very painful, traumatic experiences. One day my father was beating me and I was on the ground and I was pretty much losing consciousness from the beatings. And I was reaching to his feet to beg for mercy. And I kept saying, mercy, father, mercy. And my stepmom told him to keep hitting me until I would get off his feet. And when he kicked me off of his foot, I saw something, this light and me sitting on, um, in this chair. And there's these uh, slaves carrying things. And one of them was being beaten by a taskmaster. And he crawled across the, 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 the earth and grabbed my foot and begged for mercy and I kicked him off of my foot mm -hmm. and I had him beat even more. And in that moment, I looked at my father and I said, I know why you're doing this. I understand now. And it was from that day, I knew who I was in that life. 
And it was through that experience. And then, of course, I had other, um, of course, experiences like being in Israel, uh, being invited to a Shabbat dinner the first day I arrived in Israel and the grandmother on the table looking at me and staring at me during the Shabbat dinner and then screaming and saying that she knows who I am and that I hurt her people. And that's why I came to Israel to make it up to the people or like I'll be, you know, on Instagram and I'll get a message from someone on Instagram being like, you know, I have to say you've changed. And like, what do you mean? They're like, I remember you. I remember in my past life, I used to make you these clay statues. And one day you came in and you used to, we used to always be afraid of your temper. You used to be so angry all the time. And you would throw the statues to the ground and break all the stuff that my mother and I worked so hard to make for, for you. And um, I, I've seen you many times, I've listened to you and I think to myself, can he really change after being so, you know, so cruel? And then one day I was with a friend, they were going to the Berkeley Psychic Institute and they were getting a reading and I was like, no, I'm not going to get a reading. And I felt this burning in my back and walked over to the table and the woman looked at me and said, I just, I was just pointing at you. Did you feel me pointing at you? And I said, yes, it was like a burning in my back. She was like, yeah, I was just telling your friend to be careful with you because you were a Pharaoh in another life and you have these ways about you. And I was like, interesting. And I go, and is that what you see? And she goes, yes, that's what I see. But I already knew since I was a little boy, but I've had so many confirmations. And then when I met my girlfriend, the first thing um, when we first started talking and I'm like, she said, the first thing she did when she walked in the door, she goes, I remember you. And then I said something out of my mouth, like, yes, we were destined to meet long before time. And what was interesting enough was um, when I was young, my mother, who's an oracle, said to me when I was about 14 that your future has already been set. So it doesn't matter who you choose to date, male, female, it doesn't matter because the, your woman is going to be the princess of Norway and you're going to be a part of the royal family. So you just know the spirits have already told me and this is what's going to happen. So I had blocked it out. So when I met her and, and you know, and, and it all came back, when I said to her, she said, I've seen you before, I remember you. And when we both spoke together and we both said, okay, well, what do we remember? And we said, okay, let's say it at the same time. And we're like, Egypt. And she's like, yes. And when she first walked in the door and said that, I saw myself sitting with these scepters and she had her hand on my left shoulder. And she said to me, I found you, my sweetheart. And literally when we would walk around London, people would come up to us in the streets and be like, I'm so glad you guys found each other and you're back together. That means great things are to come for the spirit world. Egypt has, you know, we remember your power in Egypt. You both were powerful together. And then people have also said to us, wrote, wrote this letter saying, I know that you found each other and we will make sure you'll never come together because we don't want you to come together because you both, or, you know, did all these things. And, and I've had situations where I've had people, I come home to my house and there'd be a guy in my garden in my house and I come in and my assistant's like, who is this guy being, you know, who broke into our house, into your house? And he'd be outside in my garden and I'd be like, why are you here? And he goes, you don't remember me? And I go, why are you here? And he goes, I need you to give me the spell that the priestesses gave you when you were the Pharaoh in Egypt. And I know you remember it. 
He's like, because someone has done something to my diamond business in, 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 in my diamond company, because he's a diamond dealer. And he's like, and I need to put a curse on them. And I know you know that spell. And I'm just like, wait a second. And I went in the house and my, and my assistant's like, should I call the cops? And I'm like, no, I'm gonna have a conversation with him. And I sat down with him, I was like, how do you know I'm from Egypt? And he goes, I saw you in the newspaper. I saw your face and I researched to find out where you live. And he goes, and I know it's you because I'll never forget you. And so these kind of things happen to me, you understand? Right. And, um, and so you kind of, you know, you just at this, at this point, because also I have guides and I've double checked it and everything. And every time I go to a psychic, they're always like, oh, you were this Pharaoh and you've come to be, you're going to be a part of the royal family and you're going to do all these powerful things in the world. And I'm like, okay, wow. okay, thanks. So <laughs> it's so fascinating. Does like does does a does a past life have any kind of uh, effect on the future life that you have? Well, let's say for instance, you wasn't a nice person. <laughs> um, does does it sometimes at least move on to your next life? your next lives is that what you would say like all yeah next lives yeah because i had many other past lives that are affecting me on top of that one right so just it's remember it's not linear so they're yeah. all integrated into my being right okay so yeah. and yes it does affect because when i as a shaman i see my other friends who are shamans in different cultures and tribes and I noticed the difference between me and them is that I have this immense awareness of what it feels like to be a king, what it, what it means to, to handle situations in a, non, in a diplomatic way or a non-diplomatic way. So when I sit down with like House of Parliament or different people in the royal family or different people in uh, presidents and so forth, when I'm sitting and having lunch with them and they're talking to me about things, that side of me comes out and gives them information and they're like in shock they're like but you're just a shaman how that was brilliant what you said to me how is it possible you you know this way of thinking and i say because i do and and it's because it's it's a part of me i see everything in that way i also see how you treat in that lifetime i used fear as a way to motivate people because i was a part of the matrix and in this lifetime me and my girlfriend have decided to take, to be a part of the, the interruption in the matrix. So we, we see how everything is playing itself out in the way that we used to play it out. And we also see the, 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 when we know when certain things are gonna hit because we watch how it's getting set up the same way we used to set it up. So this is how it affects my life, right? But then I have other lifetimes that I lived that also play an integral role in how I handle certain things. You know, like their life when I lived where I was a farmer and I lived a very a modest life, you know, on a farm in a very um, uh, rural setting that I was a very humble person. I didn't have much. So that's why I'm, I'm not very caught up in materials. I know how to let go of things. I don't, I don't, people can't sway me by swinging a carrot in front of me and trying to persuade me. I don't need that. I need only what I need. And if I, if I, I don't need anything else, 
you know, so people trip off of me when they see me get rid of my house and my cars and my art and everything. And I take a backpack and I go for 10 years and they're like, what are you doing? Don't you need that? I'm like, no, what I need is a place to sleep, food, good water, you know, and the basics. And they like, how can you just do that without feeling any kind of like pain that you're giving up all these things? Because I had that lifetime. So that lifetime plays a part in my personality and so forth and so on. And then like my women's rights stuff that I do for women, I'm a woman's advocate. I travel around the world helping women who've been mutilated in their, in their clitoris in different countries, women who've been oppressed in their country from their culture, their religion, women who've been beaten and battered. I worked in battered shelters. And why? Because I was a woman who was a concubine to a Chinese emperor. And I experienced constantly being smacked across the face, kicked in the stomach, carrying babies, doing all of these things. And I still have memories of it. So when I go and listen to men speak, I can see when there's a man who's out of alignment with women and the woman part of me comes through and goes, no, 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 that's not gonna go down. This is not gonna fly. This is what's gonna happen. And so it, it's great because in my relationship, it helps me with my girlfriend because I understand every emotion she's going through. So she feels completely supported. And when I'm speaking to a room of 20,000 women, they're like, wow, how do you know us so well? Because I had that life. So I remember these things, you see? Yeah, yeah. Whew, that's, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. It's just the sheer fact that you, you know this as well. And I always question myself. I'm like, why, why is it I do certain things and I'm so confident in those things and other areas, maybe not so much. I always think to myself, yeah, the whole past life thing. I always think, well, what did I do before? Like, is it some knowledge which I've gained from somewhere else? And yeah, it's just fascinating. It's fascinating. You can um, take my past life course on, uh, on my shaman school. Do you know what? I'm going to look into that. I'm going to look into that. Uh, yeah, well, let's definitely talk about that. Um, what about those who can, like dreams, for instance? What would you say dreams are? And why is it some people dream more than others? Um, do some people have more insight from their dreams? Well, yeah, what's your whole view on dreams? So the dream world is a real world. It's a real universe and it's called the spirit world. And uh, some people have, you know, and, and it varies again, and I'm gonna go back to science in this one, because a lot of times where people don't have the memories of their dreams or know they're dreaming is, has a lot to do with the way they treat their biological system. Uh, for instance, like their pineal gland being having too much calcification because they're eating processed food and lots of sugars and, you know, very just things that are affecting their endocrine system and really affecting their health can be one of the biggest factors of why they don't remember their dreams because your, your, your spirit comes back to the body and then it sends frequencies into those places that actually can now then decipher that information and give it to you in your brain. So you can see it, feel it and experience it. Most people don't have that because they, their body is not able to how because either one, they're overwhelmed, meaning they have too much stuff they're holding onto from the past, too many things they're thinking about in the present moment and too many ideas of the fear of the future of, of the uncertainty of things. That's too much input coming in. And when we have too much data streams that are being flooded, the body goes into what we call anxiety and stress and overload and it shuts off 
different aspects of the frequencies of between the theta and the delta and the gamma and all these different frequencies in our brain. So we don't have access to that, um, that cognitive or um, experience of what we went through. So again, those, play, those um, scientific understandings are truthful in, in science and do play an integral role in how we actually input information into our modus operandi. So again, when we think about it from the spiritual perspective, certain people, some people are more aware of the dream world because they have more things to do on planet earth and they need to be able to dream greater than the things they're experiencing on earth and bring those dreams back into this waking world so they can implement those changes in this world. The dream world gives us the ability to create uh, ideas and thoughts. Everything you see around you has come from someone's dream. So the shirt you're wearing is someone's dream. The head, the earphones you're wearing is someone's dream. The computer we're on is someone's dream. This jacket is someone's dream. Everyone, you, everything you see is part of the dream except for nature. And that's also a spirit dream. So that means that's coming from another dimension. So again, if you see that every single thing around you has come from someone's dream or a collective dream, and then they found the pieces and the parts to make it come to life, that's what dreams are for. Dreams are there to give you an ability to stay in creative mode, be a creator, and also work through your, what we call your stagnations of beliefs that are limiting you from seeing your creative potential. Mm, right, right. Dreams, they look so weird though, I must say. Well, I the, mean, world, the rules that are different there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How does a person, read a dream because it's it's as you say the rules are completely different so man like you 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 could be sit like in your dream you're 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 sitting down reading a book and then you you might just step inside the book and then you're walking around and the the, the earth is spinning and you can see it spinning just nothing makes logical sense so but not a, but nothing makes logical sense here either <laughs> very true um we can try and make a bit more logic you can't base logic you have to follow seal's old song you got to go crazy if you're going to survive you can, there's no logic in this world this world isn't logical no. logical means that you actually do something that makes sense as according to supporting everything and everyone that's logic we don't live in a logical world this is an illogical world okay. we we create a system where we lie to each other that's the most illogical thing you can do <laughs> Very true. We have war so we can gain over another other people as if those people are different from us when they're our brothers and sisters. We kill our own we kill our own people because of the color of their skin or because we hurt them because of the choice that they choose to share their body with intimately. We 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 identify ourselves in boxes and labels and we hold those labels with righteousness and pride to the point of taking someone's life or fighting with someone, or creating more destruction on the planet. We destroy our own resources. We buy, we consume more than we actually need. We take more from the planet than we have to take. I mean, this is in the first chapter of the book, Spirit Hacking, where I talk about the reason why we're in this blackout. Everything you see on this planet is illogical. So just because the dream world has different rules, we think it's illogical. How do you know it's illogical? What if it's quite logical? It's <laughs> the truth true how do you make sense of it then if you want well, to try and learn from it and you know make some decisions in life 
Well, the first thing you have to understand is what kind of dreamer are you? Are you a lucid dreamer? Are you a dreamer who's playing out the story? You see? And then the other thing is to recognize, are you a witness to the dream? Or are you the person in the dream? And are you writing the dream as you go along? So again, there, there's different kinds of things that happen in the dream world. So sometimes in the dream, you're in there, but you have a witness. The witness is watching you, which is you from another dimension watching you. And then like in this world right now, as I'm talking right now to you, there's a witness watching my mouth move, watching my facial expressions and learning everything about me. And that's also going into a storage of information. Now I can go into meditation and connect with that witness, or I could choose to continue operating and speaking and using my hands and communicating to you. In the dream world, you have a witness. In the dream world, you can be lucid. Lucid means you're aware that you are in that world. Then you can change things. You can make a door out of nowhere. You can say, show me my fears on earth that are really the biggest fears I have. And then the dream will change to fit those fears, like a holographic deck that you would see in Star Trek, where they go in and they say, uh, fear at level seven. And then that's what the, so, you know, you go in that. But then there's places in the dream world that you can access to the other side. You can visit family members. You can learn from different people who live their lives on earth who are in the spirit world. That's what, that's what um, Edgar Casey did. He had someone who was sick. He'd go to sleep and dream. He'd find the, the person who knows about the medicine and the information. He'd bring it out, go get the medicine, give it to his patient, and they got healed. And he wrote numerous amount of books. Edgar Casey, look him up. Yeah. So the key element is, is to find out what you're doing. If you're the person who's in action, then what you want to do is pay attention to how you feel emotionally in that dream. That's what tells you what the situation is in our world. Mm, wow. Wow. I'm definitely the person who creates the dream. And if, if I'm not liking it, I can change it around. Okay, so you're I'm lucid. Lucid. Yeah. Now, yeah. do you go on missions? Like, do you meet up with other dream, uh, dream walkers to go on these missions where you're actually having to solve something or do something together as a group? Do you have sometimes. to battle? Do you battle things? Do you have to figure things out? Yeah, sometimes figuring things. I'm not. I don't know about battling. Maybe, but sometimes. But definitely figuring stuff out with other people. Stuff like okay, that. Okay, so you're a dreamwalker. So you do you remember the missions you go on? Uh, they're just random. But I don't even want to use the term illogical. Um, because what you I, think is illogical isn't. Because what happens in the dream world affects our world. Wow. So. So there are, so I go on missions. I'm a very lucid dreamer. I'm a dream walker. I have been since I was a kid. So I go on missions with groups of people who are on earth dreaming and we go and we solve problems for earth. So let's say for instance, there's a politician who's about to make a bill on something. We in the dream world, we confront that politician in the dream world and battle whatever dark forces are making him make that decision. And we get him to change his mind in the dream world. So when he wakes up, he decides to go a different way. All right. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I'm definitely going to take more note of my dreams because I always just thought it was, I don't know, random. Just like, wow, that was such a random yeah, there's nothing dream. Nothing random, my dear. Nothing yeah. random at all. Um, oh, this is incredible. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, Okay, one thing. If a person is not sure who they are and they want to understand what their purpose is, what would you say is the best way for them to do that? 
I mean, that's like a very, um, let's see. If a person doesn't know who they are and they want to know their purpose, well, first of all, we have to kind of separate those two because there's no such thing as a purpose. That's very new age and very fluffy bunny stuff. Okay. A purpose doesn't exist. Uh, there's many purposes within purposes within purposes. So just as I'm Shaman Dirk, I also make house music for DJs. I write scripts for Hollywood. I do, you know, I, I, I do stuff with children. I mean, I, I'm a poet. I mean, I do a lot of different things, okay? So... My purpose isn't just ingrained in one thing. My purpose is a multitude of everything that makes me happy and joyful. So what, you always will know what your purpose is by what feels naturally or organic for you to feel happy and excited about. When you feel there's pressure, annoyance, and agitation and fear, that's because you're being programmed to do something you're not, you don't want to do. So as I always say, if you're at your job and you're looking at your clock because you want to go home, that's really not your job. Because if you really love what you do, you're not going to be paying attention to the time. If you, if you love being with the person, you're not going to be trying to get away from them. So the key element is really looking at the authenticity of your participation to anything. That's key. Uh, second is to be aware of how you as, an as a person look at the world and where do you see love needing to be placed? And where do you feel you can place that love? That's also your purpose. So that's how you find your where you where you are now to find yourself and to know yourself is a key about you getting to ask yourself the questions getting to know yourself like you know you can come and check out some of the things that i offer like the healing temples on saturday come to some of the um woke shops that i do where people who who come in there who didn't know themselves write me letters and are like i know who i am now i know what i'm here to do i know the many things i'm here to do i'm super lit I'm living in the Liddy Committee. I'm a part of the Lit Tribe because the key element here is to be able to cultivate the knowledge of getting to the place of knowing yourself. Knowing yourself isn't just, I'm going to know myself. Knowing yourself is having the ability to have the, the know-how to know yourself. So the first key of knowing yourself is really connecting and having a conversation with yourself. It could be on paper where you just write down like, what are some of the things you don't like that you keep doing? And then you write it down. What are the things that you want to do, but you don't do because you keep putting it down? You write that down. You start learning how to interact with yourself. You know, I always say the greatest person that you need to learn to have a great relationship with is yourself because you never leave yourself. You can have a relationship with another person, a friend, but they might go to a movie theater. They might go to the bathroom, the loo. They might go to uh, a trip somewhere, but the person you can never leave is you. So best get to knowing yourself and spending time with yourself and loving spending time with yourself so that you have the most deepest, loving, nurturing relationship with yourself so that you can have a greater relationship with others. Incredible. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is just so powerful, man. Oh, thank you. Um, where can people find some of your amazing work? Um, Let's say they want to learn from you. What was we talking about earlier? Um, we have the Shaman School, which you can go to shamandurek.com and get on the Shaman School. Look and see which courses connect with you. And you can do that. You can get uh, every day on my Instagram. I'm giving nothing but content, 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 content. That's what I live for, giving to the people. 
come to the healing temples. It's 10 bucks every Saturday. You, if you can't make it in the times, it's okay. You still pay for it and you get to own the video. We go over all kinds of tips and tools for you to be able to keep in your power, knowing yourself and using your power to manifest what you want, choose in your life. You can also find me on Clubhouse. I have a room called the Spirit Hacking Club. We bring in neuroscience doctors, uh, functional medicine doctors, doulas, artists, skateboard, everyone to talk about everything about life and how we can stay lit and be a part of the Liddy Committee of intelligence leaders who are, who are changing the social atmosphere and the global environment to being a much more productive and much more innovative uh, society. Amazing, amazing. I definitely spirit hacking as well, which is in which is now which is in England, Spain, Portugal, Russia, uh, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Africa, South Africa, and Australia and New Zealand. That book is just so incredible. Um, I've heard I've heard audio books by many people, but wow, you put so much energy, so much passion in it like so much it's like it feels like you are actually there the amount of energy you put in it it's amazing i've listened to it i think about two and a half times i'm gonna go through it and yeah i'm sort of halfway through the third time amazing couldn't couldn't listen to it enough but look thank you so much um yeah i'm definitely gonna join up on one of those courses i'm gonna go to your website in a moment now so thank you thank you i Love really you, appreciate it Ah, oh, love you too, man. Seriously, God bless. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank and you. Have an amazing day. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. Any guests which I have on the show really provide some golden nuggets and useful life-changing tips. So always feel free to check out their social media platforms or website links, which will be written in the show notes. These shows are financed by my sponsors, so your contributions are always greatly appreciated. Any clickable links with discount codes will not only provide you with the best services, but will help out the podcast too. So thank you. If you do like the Roger Snipe Show podcasts, then why not give it a review? A five star would be awesome but some great feedback on what you liked about the show or what you would have liked to hear would be helpful too. Until next time.